Two guys, two continents, two missionaries, one gospel. You're listening to the Truth Be Known podcast with your hosts, Nathaniel Jolly and Bill Isa. Okay, for you guys out there who are listening to our podcast and you're thinking about doing your own, uh, just real quick in 30 seconds, let me give you a heads up. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. In 30 seconds here, it's absolutely free. They have creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer, which is awesome. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, and many more. Also, you can make money from your podcast, which is exactly what I'm doing right now, in 30 seconds with no minimum listenership. It's an awesome place to do your podcast. It's everything you need all in one place. So download the free Anchor app, or you can go to anchor.fm to get started. Super easy. If you're thinking about doing a podcast, go check it out. So without further ado, we'll jump right into our content. Well, hey, guys, welcome back to another episode of Truth Be Known Podcast. I'm Nathaniel Jolly. And your friend, Bill Isa. Guys, today's episode is the doctrine of sufficiency. The the reality is the Bible is wholly sufficient. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. I, I don't, what do you think, Bill? I think in today's current climate, we see the need for this doctrine more than I think I've ever noticed in my lifetime. Yeah, you're right, brother, because all the problems that we are having in churches today just have their root from the sufficiency of Scripture. Yeah, because um, as we are going to expound as we in this, in this episode, we want to show people that it's the biggest, it's one of the biggest problems people not to believe that scripture is sufficient yeah so uh, it's a problem really it, it disturbs me a lot and uh, even as we share it even blocks it, it blocks our evangelism when you are you, you are sharing something to someone from scripture and they tell you ah, but the bible is not sufficient cannot tell us everything and you see it's a really a, a serious problem just in short if, if i can say yeah. Well, you know, brother, let's let's just define sufficiency because I think we talk about it a lot and it's not always defined very well. When we say the sufficiency of scripture, we're talking about the doctrine that teaches that the Bible is all we need for orthodoxy and orthopraxy. It's all that we need for what we believe and how we're supposed to live and practice our faith. Now, I think it would be good here just to mention what we're not saying, because I can already hear people saying things like, well, the Bible doesn't teach me how to be a mechanic. That's not what we're saying. We're not saying that the Bible teaches everything. We're not saying that other books aren't needed. We're not saying that other knowledge is not helpful or useful or needed for our life, right? That's not what we're saying. We recognize scripture doesn't teach you how to catch and cook a fish. It doesn't sure. teach you how to change the tire of your, of your car. That's not what we mean. So to be clear, we're not mm-hmm. saying there's no need for outside knowledge, but what we are saying is that the scriptures provide everything that we need when it comes to 
the Christian life in faith and practice. That's what we mean when we say the Bible is sufficient. In terms of God's person and character, in terms of the gospel and salvation, in terms of issues of morality and relationships, the Bible is absolutely all that we need. Yeah, on that point, brother, I want to just add that, uh, yes, we um, you cannot really learn how to change a car tire from the Bible. But why we don't completely ignore what outside knowledge brings or provides, we always want to evaluate their conclusions in the light of our one infallible source, which is the Bible. So whatever these other psychology, philosophy, whatever, whatever they want to bring to us as Christians, we always want to evaluate their conclusions, their ends, vis-a-vis -vis the light of our Ostrichian Bible. Yeah, and you broke up a little bit there, brother, but I think you were saying that we filter everything we learn through the lens of Scripture and, and use Scripture to judge whether it's true or not, right? Sure, sure, that's what I was saying, um, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, by the way, we were kind of joking before we started recording this podcast. You're actually sitting out in the middle of a, a field in Uganda because mm. you get better internet signal there and uh, guys can't yes. see it, so... And uh, I live in the mountains in the U.S., and so I'm, I'm literally in the middle of the forest because that's where my house is. <laughs> and, and so <laughs> if our listeners hear things like birds chirping, we apologize. It's unavoidable. We're both podcasting from, from the forest, basically. The things we have to do for a good internet service. But anyway, yeah, you know, your brother, you're absolutely right. I, I think, and we're going to talk a little bit about the church adopting social sciences and things like that as we go on in the podcast. But let's just talk a little bit about sola scriptura. You know, especially for a lot of our listeners who may be reformed in their doctrine, in their theology, they hear this term a lot. But I, I think it's not talked about in its entirety a whole lot. Sola Scriptura and sufficiency is actually not synonymous. They're not the same thing. Sufficiency is just simply one aspect of what we mean when we say Sola Scriptura. And we're not going to go through all of those aspects, but I do just want to mention them quickly. As I understand it, there are four major attributes of Sola Scriptura. One is the inspiration of Scripture, which, you know, we aren't really fighting that battle so much today, although there are some who would refute it. But basically, God is the source of Scripture and, and speaks with authority, right? The mm -hmm. attribute is the inerrancy of Scripture. And I, I've not numbered these in any particular order. And, and that's just simply God speaks truthfully and without error. Third one is the perspicuity or clarity of Scripture. God speaks in a way that he can be heard and understood. And then lastly, we come to our topic today, which is the sufficiency of Scripture. And that's just simply God's word is enough it's wholly adequate for faith and practice as it pertains to the Christian life. So when we, when you and I use the term sola scriptura, we're really talking about and including all of these attributes. So at the end of the day, if you deny any one of those, then you don't really believe sola scriptura, which I think is why guys like Paul Washer has said, if, if, if at the end of the day, you don't believe in the sufficiency of scripture, then you don't really believe in anything. Uh, and, and, I, and I think that's where those statements come from because, you know, that's a part of what we mean and include in the term sola scriptura. You have to believe that it's inerrant. You have to believe that it's clear. You have to believe that it's inspired. And you have to believe that it's sufficient. 
if if you don't believe in the sufficiency of scripture the reality is you have no standard for truth and you see this a lot you know in uganda where you are brother right yeah brother you see um yeah but i i always say that what makes scripture sufficient is its author uh, so um the question we need to answer is who is the author of scripture that's where the the inspiration comes in yeah so if if someone tells you that he or she believes in the inspiration of scripture and then they go ahead and deny the sufficiency of scripture i find contradiction there because 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 if scripture was inspired by god then automatically we don't need to debate its sufficiency you see believing that scripture can be both inspired by god and sufficient uh, uh, and not sufficient sorry if you believe that it was inspired by god and not sufficient it's that's a contradiction and two believing that the bible was inspired by god and it's not at the same time it's not sufficient is to to deny the sovereignty of god that's what i find it myself because the the, the sovereign god can't write what is not sufficient brother that's what i believe myself when i i try to 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 go deep into the sovereignty of god so when you say you tell me that you believe in the authority of scripture the inspiration of scripture the inerrancy of scripture and then you deny the sufficiency to me i the, the, the fact that you've denied the sufficiency nullifies or it it it, it renders the rest now because yeah. you can't yeah. say that god wrote scripture using men or gave us scripture using men and then what he gave to us is, is not sufficient then which which kind of god is this not not the sovereign god that i preach brother yeah yeah well i mean interestingly enough if you just deny the sufficiency of scripture you're actually saying that scripture is untrue because the scripture itself testifies about its own sufficiency i mean think about psalm 19 right psalm 19 is probably in my estimation the most comprehensive uh compact portion of scripture that repeatedly speaks to its own sufficiency i mean it says over and over again in that psalm and i would just encourage our readers to go listen uh to to go well they could go listen to that if they have audio bible but to go read psalm 19 I mean, it says that God's word is perfect. It says God's word is sure. It says God's word is right. It says God's word is pure, that it's clean, that it's true. And so over and over and over again in that one little Psalm, right? Which is kind of a condensed version of Psalm 119. It, it says, you know, multiple times that it is sufficient. And so uh, the word of God says that it's sufficient. So if you deny the sufficiency of scripture you're actually calling god a liar very true i don't yes. think we think about that but if you deny the sufficiency of scripture you're actually calling god himself a liar because he's the author of the bible and the bible tells us that it is sufficient right i mean you can go to mm. paul right the apostle paul also says that the word of god is adequate right for us for training for rebuke for all of those things so again in multiple places the scripture itself defends its own sufficiency 
Um, and, and so, yeah, if you're denying the sufficiency, you're, you're really, you're denying what scripture says about itself. And, and basically the implication is you're calling God a liar, which, which sure. is a huge issue, right? But, yeah. Brother, yeah. you know, when we're talking about this, the I have not personally heard a lot of um, maybe guys in our camp or even Pentecostal charismatics openly say that they believe the scripture is not sufficient. I think more of what I see is a practical denial of the sufficiency of scripture, right? And this I is agree something, with you, yeah, brother. Yeah, and this is something that we see heavily in the Pentecostal charismatic church. Um, it, it's mm. easy to spot, right? Because I mean, let's just talk about that for a few minutes. Um, if you believe you need extra revelation, special revelation outside of the mm. Bible, practically, you do not believe the Bible sufficient. Speak to that exactly. because they, I mean, the the Pentecostal church is almost all of what represents the church in your country. Mm. Yeah, yes, brother, because, you know, the many years that I, I, I'd been in the Pentecostal charismatic circles, you know, I, I, we believe in the in, in dreams and, and visions. Yeah, so you believe that you can get the, the, the message from God through scripture. Yes, just what you just said is beautiful. We didn't, even myself, I did not really refute the sufficiency of scripture when I was still a charismatic. I, I, I could even preach to teach people about the sufficiency, but practically, I was not leaving it. I was really proving practically that, that it's not sufficient because I believe that, uh, and many pastors down here, many Christians down here, be, believe that one can get mess a message from God through scripture, through dreams, and through visions. And the, the messages that you get through visions and dreams can even be messages that are not found anywhere in scripture but yeah. they come direct from god like one one pastor told me told me uh, when i was still a pentecost of those days and he told me no bill you need to be uh, spiritual you need to have anointing so that when you have anointing god will be uh, visiting you every time during day at night maybe in a dream in a vision and you'll be revealing things to you because you know when you get the message direct from the throne that message is more powerful than than what you get from scripture this was a pastor telling me mm. but the message that you get di direct from the throne so that you get it via a dream or a vision that one is the stronger than the message that you get from from the bible imagine wow. brother something like that and we have many of such pastors in africa here myself i believe that until the lord had mercy on me and just brought me to true biblical yeah. i mean faith wow. yeah brother yeah i mean yeah, let's just think think through that for a moment um, because oftentimes what I find is if people would take their beliefs to its logical conclusion, they would see that it's an error, right? If someone says that a word directly from God is more authoritative than the Bible, what are they really saying? Well, what they're really saying is that, that God speaks more authoritatively in some situations than in other situations. So sometimes yes. God doesn't have as much authority as he has at other times. No believer would be okay or comfortable with that statement. When God speaks, sure. 
he speaks with the same authority that he's always spoken with right yeah um and yeah. so yeah and we have that here you know bethel church in redding california with uh bill johnson you know these guys that they're big in seeking signs and wonders and miracles and the reality mm. is practically as a christian if you're seeking after miracles and signs and wonders and things like that what you're saying is that scripture is not enough for you right mm. and, and yeah sure basically the implication is that you're accusing god of giving us a bible that lacks what we need to serve him well and to serve and love each other well right you're accusing god of coming up short basically that's what this kind of thing does when we're looking for signs or dreams or visions you know and and again we believe that those things existed but they existed for a specific purpose in a specific time period and that's not for today we have the bible and it's complete and it's sufficient if scripture isn't our singular primary source then the reality is we're going to be ruled by something else and we see that yeah. and and guess what that something else always is feeling right it always comes down to how you feel how do you know that the dream you had was from god versus it being a chemical reaction because you ate bad pizza or too much yeah. uh too much ugali the night before um <laughs> what are yeah that's it yeah so brother see um um when, when i don't know these guys who uh, deny the sufficiency of scripture when they read a passage like deuteronomy chapter 4 verses 1 and 2 how can they explain that when really god is plainly saying if i read deuteronomy 4 1 and 2 and now O israel listen to uh, to the statutes and the rules that i am teaching you and do them that you may live and go in and take possession of the land that the lord um, the uh, the lord the god of your fathers is giving you verse 2 you shall not add to the word that i command you nor take from it that you may keep the commandments of the lord your god that i command you so you see it's plain there really and if you jump even also to to, to chapter 12 it says again the same thing chapter 12 and uh, the, the last verse 32 he says again everything that i command you you shall be careful to do you shall not add to it or take from it god really you see repeat uh, repetitively uh, is talking against adding or removing from the word and we believe really that god you, you talked of dreams you said how sure can one be that this dream i had came from the lord because we know very well i did psychology brother as a teacher by profession i did psychology and i know very well that according to psychology you can dream of something that you've been you've been thinking about you know many yeah. times when you even uh, myself whenever i wanted to go to a new place maybe nairobi or for the very first time you know the whole week you are thinking of how nairobi nairobi will be at least one of these days before you you travel at least you you have a dream of nairobi and you see because your mind has been thinking of nairobi so yeah. now uh, when you have a dream and say god told me how sure are you that really that dream came from the lord and th that's the the source of 
in Uganda, I don't know how it is in the US, brother. But in Uganda, we have a lot of mukama ngambie. So mukama ngambie, <laughs> that's the Luganda, which means God's told me, God has told me. Okay. So you hear anyone, it begins from the pastors, these so-called so prophets and, and apostles, and it goes down even to the to their church members. Everyone yeah. now it is mukama ngambi. God, God has told me. God has told me. So whatever they want to do, God has told me uh, uh, that I should buy this plot of land. God has told me that I should not do this. I should do this and that. That's because of their feelings, you know. Yeah. You dream yeah. something. You say, oh, that was God, and you start spreading the news that God told you. Did you have also that that thing of God? God told me. Whenever, yeah. whatever they are saying, God told me. Yeah, we in the U.S. We do, except I think the charismatic church here has kind of, they've kind of toned down the language a bit. So what you'll hear a lot here is, mm. I believe what God has spoken to me, or I just, I, 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 I think what God said to me. And so they're, they're trying to keep themselves, protect themselves if they're wrong, right? And so they've learned, they've learned that if they say, just point blank, God told me, uh, that I was supposed to own this property. And if it doesn't work, then they get deemed a false prophet. So if they say, I think God told me and it doesn't work, they can come back and say, well, you know, I just got it wrong. You know, we, we, we have, we can get prophecy wrong these days. It's just a mistake. Yeah. So we have a lot. So you are smarter than I was <laughs> here. You are a bit smarter because uh, you see, I think, uh, in many occasions, you, you've heard prophets from Uganda, from Kenya, from Nigeria say something. God has told me this candidate's going to win the presidential elections and then that guy fails, I mean, or loses. You've heard that. And so, yeah. why don't they learn from yours there, from your first teachers? They should do that. For hours, just go straight. God told me this yeah. candidate's going to win. And then at the end of the day, he loses. <laughs> yeah and you know it's i don't know i wouldn't say they're smarter i would say that type of thing is more deceptive you know uh more manipulative but that extreme stuff aside we see a lot of this in the reformed church brother right I, and sure and, and so guys are thinking well wait a minute what, what do you mean you see this in the reformed church we believe in you know the doctrines of grace we believe in the five solas uh, what, what do you mean you see the denial of the sufficiency of Scripture in the Reformed Church? Well, I'll, I'll tell you, right now, it, it, look in the U.S. because the church has bought into psychology, sociology, um, all the ologies, and they're bringing in these world systems as, you know, the, the SBC adopted, you know, critical race theory and intersectionality, and they said that they're helpful analytical tools okay that is a fundamental denial of the sufficiency of scripture because it says that scripture is not enough to deal with things like race related issues scripture is not enough to deal with um family issues scripture is not enough to deal with you know counseling yeah exactly uh, and mm -hmm. and so that's how the reformed church practically denies the, the sufficiency of scripture. But here's another thing, as I say the word practically, pragmatism in the reformed church or in the evangelical church, that's another way that we deny the sufficiency of scripture. So what's pragmatism? Simplified pragmatism basically says, 
find what works and do that thing. So, yeah. you know, it, it kind of shows up in ways like, oh, well, we know that the world doesn't like hymns, singing hymns. So let's bring in updated worldly sounding music. Don't change the world mm. uh, so that will attract the world. Well, that's pragmatism. And ultimately, it, it denies the sufficiency of scripture because it says we need to go to the world to attract the world. Right. Mm. Uh, and we see that all, all over the church. So there are tons of ways. It, brother, while I'm thinking about it, another place that scripture testifies to its own sufficiency is in Second Timothy. Second Timothy, um, I think it's in 315. Is it three fifteen? Yeah, you you know where I'm going with this. Yeah, three sixteen, sixteen. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it says all Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. I. Mm-hmm. You really can't get any more clear than that. And, you know, it's been a while since, if you look up that word adequate, it really means complete, lacking nothing in every way. And so for for the Christian to be faithful, to live a righteous and holy life before God, to love uh, God, to love his neighbor, you know, to be obedient to, you know, pursuing holiness, Scripture is enough for all of that. Scripture is enough. Uh, to deal with race issues. Scripture's enough to deal with, you know, I mean, we have the world telling us things like love is love. And so homosexuality is okay. No, the scriptures teach us that that kind of love is meant to be between one man, one woman in a committed covenant relationship. And that's it. Mm. And so we don't, we don't need the world's ideologies to uh, deal with issues that we have today. But we see sure. a lot of the church adopting those things, and that's how. That's why I say, even in the Reformed Church, practically, we see how churches are leaving the sufficiency of Scripture, and really, they're going to the world's way of doing things, and it's it's pretty bad. Mm. Yeah, yeah. The basic idea, brother, beyond the sufficient sufficiency of Scripture, is that nothing else needs to be revealed to humanity about God and his plan for the human race. Nothing really. And you know, people need to know that the Bible alone has the answers to life's most important questions. The Bible alone. And uh, um, at the beginning of this uh, uh, podcast, I mean, uh, podcast, you say that uh, um, the efficiency of scripture does not tell uh, uh how to change a car tire and you are very right really you can't find that anywhere in scripture but how to change a car tire is not one of of those life's most important questions it's not really and yet the bible deals uh, with life's most important questions and one of such most important questions of life is how can one be saved from sin and the bible alone holds the key to salvation from sin just just the, the second uh, timothy 3 15 that i was i thought you wanted to read is is one of those that the bible alone talks about how someone can be saved from sin when yeah. the apostle paul wrote to timothy saying and how from childhood 
you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. You hear such words, brother? Yeah. yeah. It's very clear from 2 Timothy 3.15 that scriptures alone can make someone wise, are able to make someone wise for salvation through faith in Christ alone. Yeah. So, so it, it addresses the Bible alone. You cannot find that in, in Quran or any other book. It's, you can get only that something like that in the Bible and the Bible alone. Yeah, I mean, that brings us to a good, a good point that's, uh, it's not really off topic. You know, a lot, of, a lot of faithful preachers right now are telling people that the gospel is the solution to all the stuff going on. The gospel is mm-hmm. the solution to racism. The gospel is the solution to, uh, you know, poor marriages. The gospel is the solution to all this stuff that's going on around the world. And, and I think this is, it, it's disingenuous that some pastors, preachers are trying to say, well, but the gospel doesn't deal with systems. The gospel doesn't deal with, you know, government leaders. Well, maybe let's just clarify. When we say the gospel is the answer, the reason it is the answer is because the gospel, which is the power into salvation, is the only thing that can change the heart of men. And, and, you know, the issue isn't. If you replace corrupt politicians with different corrupt politicians, you have the same thing right? Sinful human beings committing sinful acts of injustice. And so you haven't solved anything by changing a system. What, what the only thing that can solve that is something that would change the very hearts of men. And the gospel is the only thing that can do that, right? So Mm -hmm. racism issue, that's a heart issue, right? If if someone Mm -hmm. hates another person, we're talking about the sin of hatred, the sin of anger, The only thing that can change that is a change of heart, and Christ is the only one that can do that, right? Now, you can can change laws, right, so that sin is punished appropriately, but it still doesn't change the hearts of men. Only the gospel can do that. So, uh, you know, as kind of a brief aside, if churches really want to make a difference around them, if churches really want to impact the society the way you impact society is you preach the gospel and you plant more healthy biblical churches you do that and you'll change society because until the hearts of the people in society are changed until that happens you're not really addressing the real issues this brings us back to the bible is wholly sufficient to deal with the problems we see around us amen yeah Yeah, something else that I'd like our audience to to know is, you know, uh, everything we need to know about God has been revealed to us in Scripture. Everything. Not everything we may want to know, but everything we need to know. These are two different things. Scripture contains everything we need to know about God, although it doesn't reveal everything that we may desire to know. Whether God has revealed... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, whether, uh, whatever God has revealed is sufficient to us. You know, see, uh, as Deuteronomy 29, 21, 29 tells us, 29, 29, the secret things belong to us. Um, uh, belong to, I mean, the secret things belong to the Lord our God. But the things revealed 
belong to us and our children forever. So you see, people want to to go. I mean, they ask us many questions when we are uh, sharing the, the gospel with them on streets. They say, but we have a lot of things that we don't understand. We don't know about God. And we, 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 we always tell them that, no, you will not understand everything here. But what, is, what the Bible contains is sufficient for our life here and now in this world. Yeah. If there are other things that the Lord would want to reveal to us in glory, that will be there. But here in this life, in this world, whatever God put uh, in scripture is sufficient for us now to know everything about him about his plans now that's what our people need to know we do not know everything there is to know about scripture it will take a long time right to get into the depths of scripture if there are things that he has not revealed to us the reason for that is that we do not need to know them it's just really it's like, yeah Sure, sure. Um, we don't it, need that, that knowledge now, yeah. What I need to know is how to be faithful to Him in the midst of whatever is going on, and the Bible gives us everything I need to know, everything you need to know to deal with that, right? Um, yeah, and I see just the example that with the, in the, inside the household, in the family. I am the father, I have my children. I don't think they know everything that I'm planning. I don't think they, so you see, they don't need to, to know everything that I'm planning or, or, or this and that. So I don't think they know all that. But they just see, they'll say, you guys want to do this, want to do that. And they are, I mean, they are contented with what I present to them. Oh, thank you, dad. This is a gift. Oh, thank you. I want you to change school and go to the other school before this and that. Because I'm their father. I know better. And they submit to me. Oh, dad has said, dad has said, why can't we really, why can't human beings? beings also behave like that vis-a-vis -vis our, 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 our creator so that because we know that the bible tells us that if you are his children he, he, he loves you and he cannot really do anything that is bad to you remember romans 8 that's that's on god's children alone not on each and, and every human being that everything happened together for good to those who love god and that's why we who by the grace of god have, have got the chance of knowing this truth and knowing that god loves us we we tell him thank you for whatever comes our way it might appear bad to us but we know that it's not bad to god because eventually you see something good come 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 out of what you you are calling bad me personally I've seen that several times. I've even shared with my children a situation, a condition that I was calling bad. Why this bad? But eventually, maybe even after one year or two years, I see, wow, something good, something beautiful comes out of that. And I start thanking yeah. God again. If people could really learn things like these, they should just obey God, go with whatever he says in scripture whether they think it's, it does not favor them, they should go with, with them because God put it there for us. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, this is why we teach the sovereignty of God, right? If you mm -hmm. believe in God's sovereignty, you can rest. And I think, it, you know, we mentioned this before, I, I believe Charles Spurgeon is the one that said, uh, the sovereignty of God is the pillow in which I rest my head on at night. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it's it, God... God is going to do 
um, what he wants to do. And we can trust that that's going to work out for our good and his glory if we belong to him. But, you know, brother, I mean, this this issue of sufficiency is not a new issue. Right. You can go back and read the Puritans. You can go back and read early church fathers. You can go way back. Right. It, go back to Deuteronomy, which you read some from Deuteronomy earlier. If you, Deuteronomy chapters one through three. We see God's people doing exactly the same thing. And what they're doing is communicating that God's word is not enough. Right. So um, book of Deuteronomy, God told his people to go into the promised land right to inhabit the promised land and so what did they do they i mean they heard directly from god right they go into the promised land they send spies to look around and basically what they do is they believe the what the world shows them right mm. there were giants in the land that they couldn't overtake them and so they decided that god's word was not sufficient well what were the consequences of that decision they were pretty atrocious, right? I mean, the consequences were that almost all of them died in the wilderness because of yeah. that, with the exception of what Caleb and Joshua, right? And a handful of people. Mm -hmm. So the results of denying the sufficiency of God's word are catastrophic. Mm -hmm. So it's not a new thing. We, we see that over and over again, e even with, um, you know, the Israelites. So God tells them, you know, go and possess the land. That's the word of God. They go, they look at what the world has to say. And in their case, it's there were giants in the land, et cetera, et cetera. And they say, you know what? We're going to believe the world rather than God. And the consequences mm -hmm. were dire. And so, you know, let's just put that in our own current day context. The way the church still does that is they look to the social sciences often, right? Sociology, yeah. psychology. Um, well, you know, church, we don't need the world's help defining marriage because God in his word has defined marriage for us. And mm. like, I think you said earlier, brother, um, we actually use the scriptures to judge anything that, uh, the world tells us is or isn't true. And so the world says marriage can be between a man and man, a woman, a woman, and we go back to scripture, God says marriage is between a man and a woman. And we say, nope, uh, the world has that wrong. God's word is sufficient. We don't need social sciences to help us define sexuality, right? God's word yeah. already defined it. So, you know, truth bomb for some people, if you're born as a biological male, you are a male. You don't get to decide you're a female. Right. That's yeah. a version sure. mm. of God's word and how it's sufficient in terms of how it defines sexuality. Race relations is another one. Right. We talked about that in a previous episode. Um, the world says that we're supposed to be divided and that we are divided based on our race. The word of God says that we are one race. Right. And so, again, mm. the word of God is sufficient to deal with that. Um, the world is telling us that we need special ways to deal with sins that happen between uh, whites, blacks, you know, based on the color of your skin. The Word of God says the answer to those sin problems is having a renewed mind, right? Mm. And a heart that's yeah. been turned from stone 
to flesh um, through the gospel of Christ. So again, we don't need the world's help there. The word of God is wholly sufficient to deal with those things. And so, um, you know, just again, again, in every way, every example we could come up with, there really is not a single example you could come up with that we're dealing with today that the word of God doesn't address. Police brutality, right? I mean, police brutality mm. in your country, um, you know, I don't know, you, you would probably say it's far worse than what you see on our end. I imagine. Yes, brother, but by far, I, I believe. Mm. And, and most of it, you know, most of the people in your country all look the same, right? You, you have the same skin mm. color. So come to America, yeah. we have police brutality. And, you know, when you take a step back and you say, oh, it's the same thing, whether people look different or they look the same. And so we're left with the reality that it's a sin issue it's a sin issue really not not some kind of structural um systemic racism issue it's a sin issue and what mm -hmm. does the world have that can address a sin issue they have nothing right mm -hmm. we have the mm -hmm. gospel you know the renewing of the mind salvation through christ that's what deals with these issues and so the word of god is absolutely sufficient and as believers if, if we reject the sufficiency of scripture, we will always live a struggling life that has one foot in the world and one foot in, in the scriptures uh, because that's the result of not, you know, adhering to the sufficiency of scripture is really a, a torn life where you're living in, you're living kind of, you know, all, almost like a bipolar type of life you know you're you're always trying mm -hmm. to find solution while you're trying to hold on to the bible and it just doesn't work that way you know it's it's kind of either all or nothing right mm -hmm. yeah so sometimes brother i do tell our mm -hmm. friends here that uh, the, the 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 issue of uh, believing in the sufficiency of scripture even as we teach them we also need to pray for them, for people, really, because me, to me, I see that it's a miracle that, that happened to me to, to believe in the sufficiency of Scripture. Because I find it just in, in our first parents, which means it's just part of us as human beings. We just don't want to obey the Word of God. When I, I read my Bible in Genesis chapter 2, brother, uh, verse, verse 15 and, and 16 the word of God to, to Adam and Eve uh, uh, let, let me read Genesis 2 6, 15 and 16 the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it 16 and the Lord God commanded the, the man saying you may surely eat of every tree of the garden but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And then when we jump to chapter 3, the fall, we see now the serpent comes and he said to the woman, did God actually say he's doubting the word of God before these guys that receive the word of God? Did God actually say you shall not eat of, of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the, the fruit of the trees, in the garden but god said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the in the midst of the garden neither shall you touch it i see some uh, some addition there 
lest yeah. you die. Yes, sir. So you see already, just right from the beginning, our parents, first of all, they wanted to add on the word of God. And then too, they did not trust it because verse 4, the, the, the serpent said, but the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die for God knows that when you eat, uh, of it your eyes will be open and you'll be like God doing good and evil so when verse 6 this is where trouble is brother of sufficiency yeah. of scripture begin from here so we need even much as we teach people we need to be praying for them Lord you alone can help people to, to trust your word you alone yeah. so when the woman saw that the tree was good uh, for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise she took of it eve where have you put the words of god have you forgotten the word of god already so you see the problem came from here and she she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate so th that's the beginning so i believe that all teach and teach people will continue denying the sufficiency of scripture and to the end because it just we find it from the beginning with our first parents so we need to teach people uh, in love but also at the same time pray for, for them that the lord will have mercy upon them and open their blinded eyes to see really that if you you deny the sufficiency of scripture then you are damned you are, you, you you perish to to me if if you don't believe in the sufficiency of scripture not only by teaching by talking about it but also practically then if you're a pastor you, you should step down you because you how can you continue pastoring a church and yet you don't believe in the sufficiency of scripture? because it's the only book that he left with us i always yeah. tell people that any country any organization has a constitution and it is that constitution that is helping them to to, to run the the, the country the, the the organization so now why do they why do people want now christianity alone to be any entity that, that without any constitution anything that we can follow and obey you see yeah, so you see that it's a problem really from the beginning and from there up to now as we are crying you and me for people to obey scripture it says whether bitter or sweet so long as it's, it's found in scripture go with it because that's the word of god yeah yeah you know i i think you hit the nail on the head um the reality is people christians today just simply do not believe the bible Right. Mm. Uh, you, you just I mean, to deny the sufficiency um, is to just simply not believe the Bible. And yeah. and, you know, and that's not surprising when we look at statistics of, you know, how many believers, um, at, at least I, I know the statistics here in the West, how many believers read their Bible regularly. You know, how many believers, you know, um, spend any kind of dedicated study in Scripture. But, yeah, it's been a problem. It's it really. Yeah, it's a sin issue. Right. Uh, here's my word, obey it. And then man says, no, I want to go somewhere else uh, and increase these issues. And so, uh, again, you know, we would just implore people to believe the scripture's own testimony about itself, that it's sufficient, yeah. right? You know, I mean, we read from the psalm there. It's in Psalm 19, it's in Psalm 119. Um, it's all throughout Paul's writings. You know, we see uh, where it began in Genesis 
right from the very beginning, men rejected the word of God and we're still doing that. Uh, I, I think for a lot of our audience, you know, it's going to be issues of where pragmatism has come in. Right. And so, um, well, in, in evangelism, right, how much how how much of pragmatism do we see in evangelism today? You know, things like, you know, if you're using a, a pamphlet, it needs to be this color because, you know, psychology says people will read the color blue better than the color orange. Like that stuff happens in churches, right? Yeah, sure, sure. It's yeah, pragmatism yeah. and it's a denial of the sufficiency of scripture. I mean, basically what you're saying is that the color of your track, the gospel track is more important than the gospel itself. Uh, and and that's an extreme example, but I think it's a good example, right? So things like, you know, not wanting to sing hymns in church or, you know, whether the message is 30 minutes or 45 minutes. Um, I mean, we've got to step back. And so we would encourage people here uh, to take a step back and, and look at what, where you're getting your beliefs from and ask the question, is this biblical or is this worldly and and just be honest right because we we love god uh we want to hear well done and good good and faithful servant uh we want to pursue holiness because he's holy and we want to get rid of the worldly stuff that we've bought into and i think if we do that you you know you and i included right we're, we're human like everyone else um mm. i i regularly ask myself the question is what i believe scripturally based or is it something that's come from the world? And oftentimes I need help with that because we all have blind spots, right? Uh, but, you know, when, when whole church denominations start saying things like we need worldly psychology and worldly um, systems to help us interpret and to help us deal with sin and things in the church, no, we, we've got to reject those things. We've got to stand up and defend the, the sufficiency of Scripture. And, I mean, this is our day's largest battle, I believe, is the battle over the sufficiency of Scripture. And so, um, yeah. uh, you know, like you said, we want to pray for those who we can see have left the sufficiency of Scripture. Because right now, there are a lot of pastors who have been in the past very solid biblical pastors who become mm -hmm. current uh circumstances in the world they have drifted leftward right they've left the sufficiency of scripture in certain areas and we need to not just write those men off we need to be praying mm -hmm. for them that god would bring them back um to the sure. sufficiency of scripture yeah, there there may be times where we have to, where we're forced to break uh fellowship with those men but we do that as a last resort we do it hesitantly. We mm -hmm. do it sorrowfully. Uh, and if we do it, we do it for the sake of Christ, for the sake of truth, for the sake of protecting the body of Christ. But again, we do that as a last resort. And so, yeah, any, any other thoughts uh, before we wrap up, Bill? Yeah, brother, I want to, to close with, uh, with these words, really, because it disturbs me and the, may the Lord help us, really. I'm too much disturbed to see how... Uh, how much philosophy and psychology is really, I mean, people, Christians are obeying philosophy and psychology more than the word of God. Because you, you, 
in churches people do that but there many some many pastors here in africa are preaching psychology Mm. So they go and grab things from psychology and, and you hear things like inside churches, like uh, God helps those who help themselves. And I, mm. I always ask them, well, where can you find that in scripture, friends? But you hear really a pastor really teaching his, his members that God helps those who help them, themselves. Others tell the, uh, their, their members, church members, that no, you need to, 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 to believe in yourself. And I tell them, no, that, that's psychology, my friend. That's nowhere found in scripture. You don't need to, to trust in yourself. You need to trust in the Lord. The Bible says, but what your pastor is telling you is just opposing what scripture says. You, you need to, to trust in the Lord and in the Lord alone. And the, the, the Jeremiah 17 says that the heart of man is, is wicked. Who can trust? Who can believe it? It's, 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 it's dead. It's wicked. How can you trust in, in a dead heart? But but you hear really in many churches here charismatic Pentecostal really especially those those in those circles, pastors are it's more of psychology. Our children, uh, our church members, young people come to to our churches. We teach them the word of God. But when they go to their schools, the universities, they are they are bombarded by psychology. Mm. So when they whenever they come from there for holidays, oh, we are in trouble. Pastor, what about this? Pastor, the the lecturer said this, and we always fight. I mean, struggle to to point them to scripture. The things of, but I need to to help myself also because God cannot help me if I just sit like this. I need also to do something. You see, I say yes. You need to to understand these things well. We are not telling asking you to be lazy. Mm. But I cannot allow you to trust yourself, yeah. to put the, uh, the, your trust in yourself. You need to put your trust in the Lord, even as you work and you pray. Isn't it the Bible, the same Bible that tells, tells us that whoever does not work, even to it, should not eat? So what does that mean? The Bible does not condone uh, laziness. Go and work, but put your trust in the Lord. Mm. Don't, don't go and work your trust in your work. I'm, I, I've done all this. It's because I worked hard. You see, yeah. So, may may, may our audience really uh, pray. Those who don't have trouble believing in the sufficiency of Scripture, they should pray as we pray for them that they need to obey God through His Word. As we sing in our hymns, it is so sweet to trust in Jesus and to take Him at, at His word. Just take him at his word, that says the Lord, and go with that. Yeah, I want to end with those words, brother. Look, guys, this is the biggest fight of our time, and we hope that you will join us in standing up for truth, in fighting for the sufficiency of Scripture. We fight hard. We fight as churchmen. We fight as gentlemen. We fight uh, in, in a godly, loving way. But we have to stand up and defend and fight for the sufficiency of Scripture. So until next time, let the truth be known. The Truth Be Known podcast, hosted by Bill Issa and Nathaniel Jolly, is a theologically driven, gospel-centered program serving the body of Christ by bringing biblical truth to bear on issues facing the church today. Subscribe to the Truth Be Known podcast by using the podcast app on your Apple or Android device or listen online at anchor.fm forward slash truth be known.